You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. I'm calling this, calling this message, God's Big Why. God's Big Why. Answer these questions, which I'm going to outline for you in a moment, and your life will dramatically change. God's Big Why. First commandment right here answers life's big questions. And it gets to the heart of many matters. So, for example, as a cross-reference, you can just write down Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. And lately I have been spending time, I, I just love spending time in the Word, but I love spending time looking at Jesus' life in the last few days, in particular the last few weeks of his life. Like, I find that so intriguing. You know, he knew he was going to the cross. You know, like, I don't know the day I'm going to die. God will take me when he takes me. And same is for you, whether we are healthy at the moment or whether it's an immediate going or something tragic, but we don't know. God knows. But Jesus knew as God when he was going, and he knew about the cross. He knew about all the significance of that. And so I find it so interesting. What was the Lord thinking, doing, teaching a couple of days or weeks ahead? So about three weeks by my outline, before Jesus goes to the cross, he's talking to a group called the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees are, we would kind of in Christianity call it like a denomination. So we have the Presbyterians, Calvary Chapel. We don't like to call ourselves a denomination, but we are. You know, it's a movement, but we are. We have our doctrinal distinctions, and that's really what it is. And so there's Calvinists, there's those who are Pentecostal, and, and those are just doctrinal names for certain, certain lanes that people line up. So Pharisees, that was one of them. And a more New Testament idea of the Pharisees would be simply we call hyper-Calvinism. And so these Pharisees are very serious about the word. And so Jesus is coming to them, and he actually has seven woes. This is three weeks before he goes to the cross. He has seven woes. So when Jesus is going to give you a woe, what are you going to say? Yeah, that's right. You know, you're going to pay attention, right? So he has a woe. Here's one of the woes he gives them, and I just referenced it for you in Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you who would hold up a cup that's dirty, disgusting, and filthy on the inside. He'll reference it spiritually a couple of different ways with greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you who would hold up a cup. It's disgusting and filthy on the inside, and you would clean the outside and declare it clean. Woe to you. And we all know that. We all understand that kind of reference. Understand what the Lord would be, would be getting at there. And so you might say, okay, pastor, what does it have to do with the God's, God's big why and the questions that we're going to look at? Because this verse, this section, what is famously called the very first commandment, actually addresses that issue. Because what Jesus is clearly saying to those Pharisees, he's saying, what you are unwilling to understand and you're putting words in my mouth as what those wolves are all about, is that you cannot, of your own flesh, human effort, and design, clean the inside of the cup of your life. But you clean the outside, and you think I'm good with that. You need to come to me, the great cleanser, is what Christ is saying. <laughs> and let me clean that inside for you. So here's a couple questions that I'm going to outline as we are talking about this section, as we're working through Baptism Sunday. 
And so, and so in, in immediate context related to Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. The first question is, what was the purpose of Israel going to Egypt? What was the purpose of that? And the answer is that God must destroy false gods. Or in Hebrew, it would be Elohims. God must destroy false gods. And one of the greater challenges that you have in your life and that I have in my life confronts our community every day is false gods. And that's called idolatry. And so, so let's go there because we're looking here at Exodus chapter 20 and, and this is a typology of how God destroys false gods. And it is sort of cousin to the wrestlings that we have with God because the way that God destroys false gods is that he often takes his people on a journey. And it's usually one that they didn't choose for themselves. Can I get an amen? Right? So, like, oh, Lord Jesus, I hope you know what you're doing here. You want me to do what? I'm going where? I don't like that. I don't really feel comfortable with this. You gave me these circumstances and not those circumstances? No. Why does that person get those good circumstances and I have these negative circumstances? I mean, come on, we all live there, right? This is our life. We're talking about this first commandment, have no other gods before me. So what has happened here is that God allowed the Israelites to go to Egypt. This was foreknown in biblical language in the plan of God. And in this place of Egypt, which was not of their choosing. But if you go back in Genesis, you realize it was dire circumstances, a severe drought that caused it. And so Jacob and his family find themselves there. But there in the place that they did not choose for themselves, it is God's will to prosper them. Biblically, it's to multiply them. We tend to think, okay, multiplication is, you know, then they had two friends, they had two friends, or they had 10 babies, they had 10 babies, and they had 10 babies. And also we have a nation. But what's missed about there, and this is not health and wealth gospel at all, is that the Israelites were cornered in the huge highway called Goshen. Everything grew there. It's the beginning of the Nile. It's, it's like the Sacramento Delta. The salt water comes into a delta, becomes rich, luscious, fresh water. Animals graze, plants grow. They're healthy, they're strong, they live forever, and they become very wealthy. They multiply, and this nation that is on the beaches there is independent of Egypt financially, even though they're being enslaved. That's part of why the Egyptians don't like them. These people are too powerful. And so they must oppress them. And so he takes them on a journey there for the very purposes is I'm going to show you the false gods of everybody and I'm going to destroy them. In your eyes, you're going to see it. And I'm going to cut them down because I've given Pharaoh a commandment. And Moses, you're going to go tell him, my people will come to me to a certain place to worship me, not you. You have the audacity of thinking that we should worship you. No, I am Yahweh. I'm not one of the other Elohims, like one of the gods. I am actually Yahweh. And I am the one who am that he am. I'm the one who actually causes the very breath of life. So related to the gods of Egypt and related to this conversation, one of the things you have to understand about destroying false gods and the demons that come with them is that demons bring chaos, Jesus brings peace. 
So if you have ongoing chaos in your life, ongoing wave after wave after wave, and at some point you need to look behind you to understand what's going on in front of you, you have wave after wave of chaos in your life, you might want to ask yourself if it's demonic of origin. And I'm not even saying that you're in sin or that you're in some rebellion to God. It could simply be an, a series of waves of attacks. And so God takes the Israelites to Egypt against their will. They multiply, they prosper, they flourish there. And there he's going to destroy all the chaos that's been around them. He's going to bring them home into this place of great peace. These demons cause chaos, but Jesus brings peace. So what was the purpose of the Israelites going down to Egypt to destroy these false gods and to get rid of these false Elohims? Okay, second, so related to, you know, God's big why, answer these questions, your life will dramatically change. So God is taking you on journeys, he's taking our church on journeys, taking my personal life on journeys to expose false gods, these places, big or small, that we tend to hold on to things, and he's chopping them off so we can live free. Second big question that we're asking here is, what's the point of trust? Okay, what's the point of trust? Because you cannot be happy if you can't trust. I mean, you, you need to have human relationships. You can trust people at some basic level. And then you cannot, well, I suppose, you know, you could come to the ranch church and sit into the tent and look at the beautiful day and enjoy the baby goats on one side and horses on the other. And maybe the hot dogs we serve are, you know, seasoned great, and that's what you want. But you're not going to really enjoy church much if you cannot come to this place in life where you can trust Jesus Christ with your life. That's what we're doing here. That's why we're taking time to open God's Word and God's book and labor in these ways. And so we have to ask this question, what is the point of trust? So the answer is you can fully trust God, but you can foolishly trust humans. Let's talk about trust as it relates to God in this verse that we're talking about, no other gods before me. So this verse right here, no other gods before me, that commandment will heal the most important part of your humanity, and that is your tendency to distrust. And we've all lived lives, and so we have enough interactions in many different levels. We go, you hurt me, you hurt me, you hurt me. I don't trust you, I don't trust you. Never again, no. Right? We've lived there. And some of that is wise because there's righteousness and there's truth and there's boundaries. And some of that is wise. But then some of it becomes things that steal our lives. And we project that on God. Humans are not 100% trustworthy. They're not. And we get really confused by that. And we don't see our stuff. We really don't. Like I know so many really, really good men and uh, so many great businessmen and CEOs, and they're so very successful, and they sit there and go, Pastor, my word is my bond, right? That's an old way of talking. I can shake your hand, and I'm going to make good at it. Good for you. Praise the Lord. Love people like that. Okay, so the deception, though, is to think that a person like that is like that in every single area of their life. What's the truth? No. And if they're really honest, they would tell you that. And so we kind of get deceived where we think, well, gosh, you know, you're so trustworthy. I'll just stay with the illustration in terms of business. Oh, but the personal life or maybe some other places, no. And we, we feel this disconnect. We really do this with anybody famous or celebrity or athlete where because they can perform some sort of professional skill in that some, some way, somehow we extend that and we think about it should happen in their personal lives. And we're all shocked, like, whoa, you're like really sinful. Like, Why'd you think that? Why do, why do you think that humans are trustworthy? Humans are not trustworthy. And this is our challenge. 
because we project that on God. Humans struggle to rebuild trust. Now listen, I want you to go here with me because I'm going to teach you something that you're going to need to know as it understands this verse. You shall have no other gods before me. And that is related to trust. So it's not just that humans are not trustworthy, but how it comes in relationship with God is that we struggle to rebuild trust with two parties that have hurt one another. And so this is all serious things and very minor things. Person A right here, right? Person A right here. And person B right here. Are you with me, church? Everybody say yes. yes. Person A hurts person B. <laughs> Happens. Person B, right, will turn around to person A, maybe over time, maybe immediately, whatever the case is, and ultimately apologize. All right, so now how many people in this equation need to be healed? One or two? two. Oh, yes! <laughs> We're doing church today. It's two. That's right. All right, both need to be healed. Okay, so related to our relationship with God, the miracle of the supernatural nature is that God doesn't need to be healed. The idea of God being holy and holiness is that he's complete as well as sacred. And so, and so when, we, when we have offended God, when we are repenting, he's not broken. And so his wholeness can take our brokenness and heal us and do what must be done. It can be transformational. It can completely bring us around. When you look at the Ranch Church website, you're going to see a phrase that says, you can trust God, Jesus guarantees it. It's kind of like a, a motto we have or a little mantra we have. You can actually trust God, and Jesus is actually the one who guarantees it. He went to the cross to be broken for our sin. So you can take your brokenness of your sin and give it to him, and it's not going to damage him. You can go to another person and say things, even sort of in a kind of a confession way or whatever, and, and you can damage them. <laughs> if on the context, never with God. Never. He was broken for our transgression, as the Scripture says. He was broken for our sins. And so you can trust God. And the very basis of learning how to trust is to be reconciled to God because that trustworthiness of God begins to teach us that we can trust him and other people in the right way. Begin to have our priorities straight. So the big why is that, well, God's going to destroy false gods with us and we will be free. The big why is that we can actually learn to trust again. So grieve when people say, I'll never trust again, Pastor. I'll never trust again. You can trust. You can trust God, and you can learn to rebuild the most important areas of your life. Okay, third, what is the point of crossing over? So what is the point of crossing over? So uh, this is related. Um, the answer is there's one way and no other way. There's one way, one way, one way to God, one way to cross. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to Father but through me. There is actually only one way to God. But here's what we're like. Okay, so here's what we're like. So, so I really actually really enjoy a meal out, that's for sure. I'm sure all of you do. Right? And uh, so I kind of laugh at a friend sometimes when I go, go enjoy a meal with them somewhere, big or small, because it kind of goes like this. And you have to know how your pastor is, right? So I show up to a place I've never eaten there before. I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to go to Yelp. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> 
I don't, I don't need social media to tell me whether I like something or don't like something. I'm going to ask the person before I sit down, I'm going to say to them the same two questions I ask every time. First question I'll say, I go, what's the most popular thing on your menu? And they're going to say the party line, which is, well, oh, no, you know, the barbecue chicken. I mean, everybody gets a barbecue chicken here, you know, and get it with, you know, the, the, the rice and blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Then I'm going to have a second question I'm going to say, I'm going to say, okay, well, What's you, the favorite thing you like to eat personally? They go, me? And they go, yeah, you. And they go, and they go, pause. Is, is the boss there? Yeah. You know, right? They're going to tell me the truth now, right? They're going to tell me the truth. They're going to say, okay, well, don't get the chicken. <laughs> okay, look, get the steak, ask for the extra gravy, right? I mean, they're going to tell you the way it is. So now there's another person out there that I'll go out with. So that's how I handle it. Another person, though, will sit down, and uh, they'll sit there and say, what are you getting, Pastor? And I'll tell them. And they go, okay. What about that person? What are they eating right over there? I go, I don't know. <laughs> and they've got to get up and look at it. They've got to go, and they'll be rude. They go, what? Is that, is that a crouton? I've never seen a crouton before. And then they'll come back, and they're going to ask about what everybody's eating, Yes. Right, they're gonna do that, and then we're just waiting, you know, like, come on, like we got, we gotta go, and then send. Then I have, I have a few friends like this. Some of you have been like this with me. You can't decide, so we blow a half hour. You say, Pastor, just order for me. <laughs> like, okay, great. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Boom! I can make a decision. I can make this work. Some people, on a very serious level, carry various kinds of insecurities and distrust. They project it all on God, and they cannot make a decision about Christ literally to save their life, and it costs them their life. You are not going to walk with God. Be blessed of Him. Baptize in the Holy Spirit. Empowered to overcome every obstacle in your life by looking around and thinking that there's another road other than the one road of Jesus Christ. You will be weak, broken always, and always in regret. There is one road. That one road, which is costly in and of itself, comes with all the blessings of God. And if you fall down, you stumble, you're broken, you feel disappointed, Christ will never leave you, never forsake you. It is his promise, according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And he can make that stick. The Israelites, they had to cross over. And, and so they're going to go down to the Red Sea, and they're going to cross over, and they're going to leave their idolatry behind, a former life behind, something else. And when we go into baptism, that's a version of that. It's symbolic of it, but it also means that you're, you're going to declare, I am following Jesus Christ. And we just have these demonic lies of perfection. And, you know, we try and beat it down as if there's some moral perfection required or, or as if we're going to now lead a perfect life. And it's sort of culture that imposes on Christians somehow some understanding that somehow we're talking about perfection. Can I tell you that that's a devil's lie? That's not the Bible. I mean, read the Israelites. They cross over. They'd seen this great miracle, and they grumble. And God has grace for them all the way through. 
And so we're going to go, we're going to get baptized, we're going to declare that Christ is our God. We're going to repent of anything that we need. We're going to, we're going to just bow down and worship God. We're going to declare he's the one way of salvation. He is actually the true God. We're going to say that this verse is true because it is true. You shall have no other gods before me will be saved. There's no, it's one way, no other way. Fourth question I have related to this single verse. What is the point of it all? You know, what is the point of life? The answer is to bring God glory, enjoy him always, and be baptized into a new identity and calling. I mean, that is it. And you either get it or you don't. And if you don't, I want you to snap out of it right now. <laughs> come, come on home. You know, we have a school of ministry, and, and this session that we've had have had a few people in it that have been older. I wish you were with me every week watching these people, right? Some, some of life's seasoned vets, let's say it that way, right? And so you might think, hey, well, what are you doing getting involved in ministry? You're too old. <laughs> Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Holy Spirit says, I'm not even done. I'm just starting. All right, and so we have these drills that you have to, you have to, you know, stand up a small group, and you have to communicate some biblical truth. You have to study. You have to do these things. And so you know what? what what's happening to that group? What's happening to that group? They're growing. Okay, so what does it mean that they're growing? They're growing more confident. Would you like to have more confidence in your life? Would you like to have more godly confidence in your life? Would you, like to, would you like to see and be part of something that breaks out into spontaneous prayer and where the Holy Spirit comes on? I don't, I don't know what happened last Thursday, but Holy Spirit descended on that room back there, and we weren't going home all day. It's like, I mean, I walked, I go, what just happened? I'm going to get a couch or a, I'm just going to sleep there now. I'm not going to move. Like, that was like that soaking of God, you know? So, so we would look at one another and say, oh, you're too old. The Holy Spirit's, no, you're just starting. That's that, that's that new identity. That's that new life. That's that new calling. That I understand my purpose in a whole new way. That I understand my utility of life. Uh, how, I, how I'm going to be a blessing to someone. How I'm going to minister to someone. The things that I'm going to do. Because God will bring me to this place where I can give him glory. And where I can enjoy him always. And where I can actually have this new identity to live out freedom, to learn to trust, as we've been talking about. Now understand, you know, before, before they crossed over, the blood of Christ went on the doorposts of, of the homes. Don't miss that. It makes a sign of the cross. But the blood of Christ on the, on the doorposts of their homes, and they were free. In this uh, gospel handbook that I've written that you'll be able to get a hold of here in hopefully in a week or two, as we just sort of run for home here, I have a section here uh, called Divine Law. And I wrote this in a way so that you could, you could give this to somebody and walk away. I mean, you could, it could work that way. But I designed this so that you would actually share with a friend and, and say, hey, for three or four weeks or three or four different times, I want you and I to talk. I don't want you to go away. Like we're friends at some basic level. So I want, I want you to sit with me, have coffee, come over for a meal. I'll go over to your house or we'll do a, you know, I have a couple guys now I'm on FaceTime with and, and some guys live right around the corner and I'm on FaceTime. It's the funniest thing. I'm like, come over. No, 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 we'll do this here. And so 
So here's this section. It'll just run for home with it. Okay, divine law. Is that we're in the first commandment? God's law is a line in the sand. A line in the sand. One way, you're lost. The other way, you're found. One way, you're all over the place. One way is the narrow way. Here's God's law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Ever heard of that one? All right, Jesus said that. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as your? There you go. Thank you, church. Doing church today, right? Matthew 22. Okay, so now the explanation. This is what Jesus was getting at. It's convicting and serious. It's right there. The commandment requires someone always to love God with every fiber of their being and love their neighbor as much as they love themselves. Yeah. Further, they would never pretend God is something he's not. That is our great problem, and that is a rewrite here of that verse. What does it mean, you shall have no other gods before me? God is saying, do not pretend that I'm something that I'm not. That's the earthly language for that. But would always treat him as holy and right. They would rest. They would rest. That's actually part of the commands. They would honor their parents. Never get selfishly angry inside or out, let alone hate anyone. They would never sexually pervert their body. Yeah. Steal in any way, speak a lie, ever embellish or want whatever someone else has. Their hearts, mind, and actions would always be pure. So you know what the next line is? But no one is like that, are they? The problem, the problem is we once were. That's Eden, doctrinally. So our hearts ache for that, but we're not like that. But now we have the grief and consequences of sin. Sin brings a debt we can't pay, and it offends God and separates us from him, death being the final proof sin is real. So now the evidence, and we'll get there. God actively reads your thoughts. Say yeah. God actively reads your thoughts. Hears your words. Now, I realize that I'm reading this in a convicted way, and it should convict you, but it also tell you, because you cannot get your, answer, your, your prayers answered if God is not actively hearing your thoughts and hearing your words. Part of the foundation of hearing prayers is that God hears you inside in a way that you don't even understand about yourself, so he draws you out to bless you. Records your actions, has all the evidence needed to prove anyone guilty of sin. We know the right things, but we can't do them, and God knows it. And the last line is, and that's why we need Jesus, our Savior. The next section says, Jesus, beautiful Savior. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I know some have already said, hey, I want to get baptized. And I'm so excited for you. We open the invitation to others who want to be baptized as well. It's okay. And we'll minister to you there. And uh, uh, church, we, we take time at the baptismal uh, horse trough. And we actually really pray for people. And we like to minister to them. We like to speak words of life. 
want to speak words of healing to them. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to heal them. We ask them to give them a new life. The dramatic testimonies of people who have been saved and ministered and delivered there time after time. And so I invite you to join us, both to come around and celebrate, to enjoy the rest of our time, but also to participate with this. And so, so if you're getting baptized today, I want you to come forward right now and join me right here. You're getting baptized today, come forward right here. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to come forward right here. Yes! Oh, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Prayer team, come up here, please. Anybody else getting baptized right now? Sometimes the spirits are stirring people and they'll come. Okay, I want the prayer team just to come around these people. And uh, anybody else getting baptized today? Anybody else? All right, we'll start with, we'll start here. We'll start here. And we're going to just pray for these church uh, and uh, also invite uh, anybody else to join us as a, yeah, that was a little low hanging there, bro. Okay. Okay. So if you're getting baptized, I want both of your hands out like this for a moment. Just join me like this. If you're getting baptized, hold your hands. It's a matter of humility. Okay. So I'm just going to pray for you. You don't need to repeat anything right now. Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for these, Lord God, that have their hands open right now, for we have looked at your scripture which says you'll have no other gods before me. And they come to declare themselves as followers of Jesus, declaring that Jesus Christ is their God, their Lord and their Savior, and that you have destroyed falsehood and false gods before them, and that you now you've brought them into this new place, a place of the Holy Spirit, a place of angelic happiness, Lord God, a place of new powers and new strength where the kingdom of the living God burns afresh in them. And I protect them now, Lord God. I protect them in the power of your Holy Spirit, by the authority of your word. I protect their minds, their bodies, their soul, their spirits, their direction of their lives. I protect them in your name, Lord God. And now as we go into baptism, Lord Jesus, we rejoice that you are Savior. Rejoice at all that you're doing to restore families and lives. And so, Father, now you be that God. We acknowledge you as our Father God in heaven. We acknowledge you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and God in heaven. We acknowledge the Holy Spirit, Lord God, as God in heaven, now filling us and baptizing us and renewing us. And so I pray this now, Lord Jesus, that the new covenant promises by which you have authored from the cross in these lives would come true for every single yes and amen. Say it with me. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.